0: Bear. We're here, we're here, the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show, coming to you live from the Owl's Nest Barbecue Studios in Ultawa, Tennessee. I'm your host, Steve Ray. This show is sponsored by the Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply and Pro Shop in Ultawa for all of your barbecuing needs. It's the Barbecue Owl's Nest Barbecue Supply and Pro Shop in Ultawa. Also brought to you by Michelin Tires. Moving forward, Michelin Tires and uh, the Midnight Oil. (laughs) I forgot where it worked. Midnight Oil in Ottawa for all your car care needs. If you're in the Chattanooga, Ottawa area, please come and see us. Jeffrey Neal back at the uh, homestead monitoring the chat room. We'd like everybody to jump in and uh, talk with Jeff. Uh, No radio tonight. Uh, the radio station is off on the day after Thursdays, which means we will not be broadcasting on the radio but we are broadcasting live on a Facebook and uh, that's where that's where our home is anyway we really appreciate it man we've got a great great guest I had a uh, I had a I had a guest scheduled and they canceled last minute and I have never been <laughs> Jeff, Jeff this sounds terrible I have never been so happy that somebody canceled. At the last minute, as I am right now, because folks, we got we got a we got a ringer. We we have brought in a ringer. Now, now this guy earned his broadcast journalism degree from Bradley University in Peoria. If it plays in Peoria, it'll play anywhere. Right, home to the Fighting Braves, featuring the strangest mascot in the country, Kaboom the Gargoyle. I kid you not. Uh, the most famous Bradley Brave alum, of course, is Charlie Steiner sports broadcasting legend, 1971 graduate of Bradley. He became the anchor of ESPN Sports Center in 1988, and he was in the chair the 1993, the night Springer Carl Lewis sang the national anthem at the New Jersey Nets game, and he could not stop laughing the entire night. Charlie Steiner, an alum of Bradley University. But Charlie Steiner's not our guest. Now this guy, that's just where our, our guest went. But now this guy... He is a country music authority. He's a barbecue enthusiast, best-selling multi-cookbook author. He's based in Charleston, South Carolina. He has been the on-air host and operation manager of Charleston's leading radio stations. He has interviewed some of entertainment's biggest names. Now catch this. Taylor Swift, Darius Rucker, Paula Dean, Zach Brown, Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, a guy that can count backwards from 10 on New Year's Eve better than anybody. Brad Paisley, one of the greatest guitar players, Garth Brooks, Keith Urban, Carrie Underwood, Alton Brown, and Elvis Presley. No, not Elvis. I just threw that in there. But it would be cool to talk to Elvis, wouldn't it? His blog at barbecuetricks.com and his YouTube channel have accumulated more than 10 million views and 40,000-plus subscribers. Ladies and gentlemen, native of Glenview, Illinois, the youngest of six children, I give you from Hilton Head, South Carolina, I give you Bill West. Bill, how are you, sir? Good to be here, Steve. Thank you. Well, I can't... I, you know
1: what? I'm. I'm frightened. Don't ask me sports questions. I'm, I'm pretty good with barbecue, but you know Bradley University more than me. It's been a few years since I've been gone. I was concerned. Well, I think the most I could tell you is when I was there, Hersey Hawkins was uh, – the big deal
0: at the time. Well, he still he still he was a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. He, he still. Big but that's deal.
0: about my extent of sports. Well, that that's okay. We're not here to talk about sport. I'm just a big Charlie Steiner fan. And when I was doing my research for you, Bill, I I, I, came, I, I went I went I said I always like to do this with all our guests. It's it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I saw a famous thing. alums and he's the first one that pops up and I went, Charlie Steiner. I didn't know he went to Bradley and. Um, I, I I remember watching Sports Center the night Carl Lewis. I don't know if you ever saw that YouTube, folks. If if you are listening, if you want to see something fun, if you even know who Carl Lewis is, a lot of you folks don't even know who Carl Lewis is. Bill, do you know who know who Carl Lewis is? I do not. Okay, he was a you're 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 a lot younger than him. He was a sprinter. Um, he uh, great runner. Won several gold medals. I think he participated in maybe three, maybe even four Olympics. And um, after his Olympic career was over, he thought he could sing. And he sang at the uh, New Jersey Nets, uh, the national anthem, and it was the only rendition I've heard ever worse was Roseanne Barr's, and um, oh, it, it was it was terrible. And Charlie Steiner, they 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 flashed back to Charlie Steiner on Sports Center, and he could not stop laughing. He laughed and he laughed and laughed. That's when Sports Center used to be actually a really good show, but I digress. We're talking barbecue tonight. And Bill West. The reason I'm having Bill on, and like I said, I, I, I'm so glad the other guy canceled at the last minute because this, this just, this is. You are such a better guest than that guy is. I'm not kidding. You, you, you're the, our well, first, I, where, this I'll is a you, Thanksgiving I, I'm, gift.
1: I'm super pleased because it couldn't come at a better time. You know, I've I've done a couple of cookbooks, but this is, yeah, you know, my last one, most recent one here, uh, just came out a couple of days ago, and. Like, if you're going to be on talking about your book, uh, Black Friday is the day to do it. it,
0: it this that, is that's, that's probably what one of the biggest of uh,
1: days of the year for shopping. So I appreciate being here.
0: Well, I, 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 like I've said, I always try to support all of those in the barbecue business when they come out with a book. Number one, I love reading about barbecue, and um, especially the ones that give you tricks, tips, and little tidbits. And that's what yours is. The big book... Of barbecue tricks, right there, by Bill West. I'm showing it to the camera right now. Bill, and then Bill is holding his up as well, and um, I'm sure he got his on a better deal than I did. But but I I was glad to pay. I was glad to pay. The only thing I wished mine was autographed. That's the only thing. I'll need to come to Chattanooga. That would be that would be so great. The uh, big book of barbecue tricks. It is slam-packed, 261 pages of recipes, um, tricks, tidbits. And, you know, one of the things, Bill, I got to be, and we're going to talk about barbecue. Don't, don't worry, everybody. Because, and we're going to talk about Bill's background because he is one of the most interesting people that have ever been on the Al's uh, Barbecue Show. But let's start it out, Bill. Spoke, uh, smoking Nuts. Because this is something that I have seen on the Internet, on social media, as of the last three months, that has just becoming more and more popular. Uh, cashews. Really? Pecan, yes. I've got a neighbor that did pecans, just the way, the way you describe in your book. Um, and it says, most nuts are fair game on the smoker. However, they can burn quickly at higher temperatures if you don't keep an eye on them. Thankfully, they're a better match for low and slow temperatures. How did you stumble across smoking nuts? Because I'm always, I'm always, I'm at that point in my barbecue career, I'm looking for other things, you know, other than the four, the four basic proteins that we usually cook. And what, and this is such an interesting thing to put on the smoker. How did you, how did you come across it?
1: You know, I can't remember the first time I jumped into it. My favorite thing to smoke is is the pecans. Um, And we, we, Lately, actually over the last couple of years, I've done a lot of keto dieting Mm -hmm. and pecans are great for that. Yep. And once you've had like raw nuts, you got to have, eventually have to have something to, to, to make it a little more interesting. So, uh, I think I started with, uh, pecans and added, uh, uh, Worcestershire and almost like the Chex mix flavors people are familiar with all those kind of flavors, you mix them up Mm -hmm. and, uh uh just a little bit of pecan smoke on there adds it uh kind of binds it on there and just gives it that much more flavor. So I started dehydrating you know doing jerkies and uh dehydrating and it kind of led to nuts and, and things that uh are kind of more cold smoked. Yeah. So yeah, trying to just coming up with things for the uh for the different smoking recipes for all the books.
0: Well, that, that that's what, what I like about it. People don't realize all the different things you can put on a smoker, put on a grill that you ordinarily would only put in your oven. Uh, I recently stumbled across smoked meatloaf and uh, literally changed my, changed my life. I kid you not. It is so good. Smoked meatloaf is just, I like meatloaf, but I love smoked meatloaf. It is just so much better than regular meatloaf cooked in the oven. Uh, I've seen people put apple pies in smokers um gosh uh baked potatoes of course uh and a range of things that go in that go into smokers and um, it, it's amazing the ideas and the uh inspirations that people get uh just- ba- backyard cooks like yourself and myself that um like hey you know I wonder if this'll work and they they throw it in there for a couple hours and um <laughs> And we're going to talk about something that I, I watched your – let's let's do this. Let's talk about the history of Bill West because, I believe it or not, I've been a fan of yours for a very, very long time. And It goes back to the Outdoor Cooking Channel when you and Jack Waybor had the great TV, G-R-A-T-V, G-R-A-T-E TV series on the Outdoor Cooking Channel. And uh, – I don't know if a lot of people go back and watch those. Uh, I know you and Jack did a video back in June um, bringing back great TV, and y'all you know, smoked a, a certain thing we're going to talk about in a little bit. But what, tell us how you got into barbecue, how you got Because I thought the great TV series was was super. And, um, yeah, it was
1: probably before it's time, really looking at yeah. uh, all the things going on now. We were uh, – uh, real early on it was essentially a video podcast and i think there was you know really i i know kevin kevin bevington who put together the outdoor cooking channel and you know he talked to us early on about featuring us on that and uh um you know we're not really tied in other than you know he he has featured us and and we love the love the exposure um but we were there was a service before uh that was kind of hot before YouTube that allowed everybody to allowed people to do a true podcast and video podcast that uh, we we started doing. And the honest key to it, I had met Jack Waybor when I moved here to South Carolina and he 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 was immersed. And you can see it in all the videos. Mm-hmm. He's immersed in the South Carolina barbecue scene and competition. So I really didn't know anything about competition barbecue until I kind of connected with him and, and I got a quick, quick education in it. And I just thought those videos, the first time I met Jack, uh, I proposed doing the show and it was perfect timing for both of us to, to do it. And again, now it's probably, you know, now it's the YouTube show like that is way more commonplace, I guess, but it was pretty new at the time. And, uh, you know, the, th- the thing is and you know doing a doing a weekly show can take a lot of time and uh even then we were doing we were producing it so to speak so okay. we were editing it together with honestly not much in the way of equipment there wasn't uh as good of equipment back then to edit video but i definitely had an interest in it so we just kind of jumped into it and uh it's easy and fun to talk about stuff that you're interested
0: in well it was very interesting and like you said it was back when i started it was one of the uh, there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of barbecue shows on um uh, it was you it was greg Rempy was on the outdoor cooking channel and uh, those were it? yeah those were kind of my two uh go-to uh shows to watch on the outdoor cooking channel and uh you and jack i liked your uh the shows were one beer long i always thought that was clever that you could, as long as it took to drunk, drink one beer in a social, uh, you know, laid-back setting. That's how long the show was. And y'all would just sit there and talk about barbecue. And, of course, in those days, I knew, uh, I don't know a great deal about it now, but I sure knew a lot less about it then. And everything that uh, y'all would talk about, I would just sit there and go mm-hmm, and absorb that. And uh, I'm going to try that. or you know, That makes sense. And, of course, um, and then all of a sudden seeing Jack Waybor uh, all of a sudden, he pops up on Barbecue Pitmasters. Then all of a sudden, he parks on America you know—pops up on American Grilled, and uh, he's uh, almost everywhere. And uh, it was kind of neat following his on-air career, Yeah. Uh, and when he jumped from, I guess, great TV to what what he's doing now. And uh, the one y'all put out in June was, uh, I thought, was very clever. Uh, you're sitting there in your new house, on your new set, and uh, you're smoking a watermelon. And I want to get back to that. But first, before we talk about smoking watermelons, um, tell me how you got from country music expert. And real quick, uh, did you watch Ken Burns' documentary on country music? Oh, sure. Did you think it was as wonderful as I did?
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: I I thought it was super. If you're a country music fan, especially being here in East Tennessee. Um, it was great, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you really appreciated it being so close to the industry. But how do you get from from a country music aficionado because uh, you're in the Low Country, and and that is uh, that's a barbecue mecca where you're at. Um, yeah, you know, I think it, uh, I
1: kind of just stumbled into it. I I got into uh, before I moved to Charleston. I was in Augusta, and now I'd say Augusta is a great. There's a lot going on in Augusta, Georgia, and Uh there's it's a really good barbecue city as well. But I think I got my first like full sized hog cooker there and dabbled in cooking whole hog a little bit and Mm -hmm. then met when I moved to Charleston for radio, uh ended up meeting Jack and it just was was ready. But I wouldn't say the the there's any connection between my working in country radio and talking barbecue, but uh I've been able to kind of take some of the, you know, I probably, if I hadn't had a career in broadcasting and radio, I wouldn't have started doing great TV. And, you know, that's the interesting thing with, with, uh, before I met Jack and before we started great TV, I was doing just the blog barbecue tricks. So, uh, it's funny looking back, even earlier today, I was looking at some old things and and it's really the reason why I ended up putting this book together because I've, pieced together a lot of little things separately and tossed out a lot of tricks and I kept telling myself like I can't, I'm I'm relatively scattered, I can't, it's not easy to find stuff when you got different projects going mm-hmm. I remember I had a, uh, I did a, a good podcast with uh, um, Rodney Scott years ago that, I, you know, I, I did put it out but I didn't do a whole heck of a lot and I was watching, he's on, got a big Netflix special, looks like he's got a new book out but I've got a lot of bits and pieces floating all over the place, and the name of my site was Barbecue Tricks. So I thought mm-hmm. I, I really need to figure out a way to pull these things together and not be so so scattered. Because in general, it's you know kind of I think like everybody gets into it, it's just kind of a fun fun hobby. But uh, uh, at some point, I look back and I say I got all this stuff out there. I'd like to be able to pull it together into a little bit of a a, a collection that's somewhat organized thought. So that's, so that's why I did the book. And, you know, I think that's ultimately when I wanted to get, do more with the great TV, that's what I was thinking as well. It just, you know, just kept thing with YouTube and, and video and, and doing a, a live show every you know, week. It's, it's a lot of uh, it's you, you got to keep up with it.
0: Well, yeah, you got, you got to dedicate a certain amount of time and effort to it. And especially when you have a family, I think your son's 19 now you said, and you just uh, turned 20. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter is, is 20 years old. She just turned 20 in October and, uh, you have to balance, you know, you, you have to balance your hobby, your business and your uh, family. And, uh, I know, I know what you're talking about, but it's, um, uh, it, it's fun to, it's fun to bring information to people. I've always been one of those types of people that, you know, when I, when I do something, I like to share it. And, uh, and you, and you're obviously the same type of person, uh, uh, much better at it than I am because, you know five books into your career now and, and this book um the, the the barbecue tricks is um it, it is it is just jam packed with um little tidbits you you know when we watch when we watch um episodes of barbecue Pitmasters, uh before that barbecue all stars you know we can go back and back and back uh as late as uh, american barbecue uh, throwdown on um, on Netflix. We see little things that these cooks do and it'll be the most minute detail that people will pick out of a um, of a show and ask the people to explain, like, what were you doing in there with that? What is that thing? That's an injector. How does that work? Um, you know, things that we wouldn't even think of that were interesting to people. They find that interesting. And that's what your book deals with: are these small things. And, I, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, and, and this one is this one is great. Another handy trick for spices: if you cook while you're traveling, and I'm sure you travel a lot, simple to create your own personal portable spice rack. Use a Monday through Friday seven-day pill organizer box to store travel-sized amounts of your favorite spices. That way, you'll always have a little bit of your favorites. On hand, I never would have thought of that. I, I don't travel that much, but when I do, that's something because everybody likes to share their favorite rub, and what better way or what better container to put a rub in than a pillbox? A very, I, I,
1: I'm very pleased that you know, you pulled out like that nugget because there is a lot of little ones like that in the book that I thought, you know, that's somewhere on. Um, my blog or website and i don't think i've mentioned it in uh, a great tv thing but that's kind of what i i just thought you know let's put these little fun little things out there but it in the internet is so big it's hard to be able to use that stuff so and it's fun i think it's fun stuff to talk about and fun things to think about uh i didn't create that i think that was for my brother-in-law actually Mm -hmm. but i thought okay that's kind of a trick i'm gonna write that down and the, the tricks range from stuff like that to, you know, using sprigs of rosemary as skewers for kebabs. Or uh, uh, I think I say early in the book, uh, some of the recipes in and of themselves are kind of tricks. I, I, I tried to mark it to, to prepare uh, before we talk, but a couple of the recipes are in and of themselves tricks like...
0: Uh, Oh, I love, I, I love, I love this. Follow, follow along at home. Turn to page what? It's like Bible study. Go ahead. Yeah, if you <laughs> so, got
1: page one ninety, uh, I, I thought we've got a, a saltine potato salad. It's like, is how can you can you make a? I found some great old saltine potato salads. Maybe that's a thing somewhere. I had never heard of it. It's where the saltine crackers are basically the the binding. There's not potatoes in there, but it's the binding of the potato salad, and it's incredible. It's a great. Recipe. I think I, it was inspired by the, uh, Justin Wilson, mm-hmm, the one cage, of my favorite yeah. old TV chefs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Had a bunch of different versions of it. It used to be popular back in the day, but I had never heard of it. So that's one I, I, I put in there. But I think that's kind of a trick to, to do that. So uh, it was mentionable. And then you mentioned like in smoked meatloaf, uh, this Subway fatty recipe is, uh, is a recipe that uh, also it's on the opposite page. Page 191. Uh, I think that's a trick. It was actually a great TV episode and a Jack Webor invention, Um, but it's basically he took a Subway sandwich, the uh, Italian sub with Mm -hmm. like double meat and got it deconstructed and we put it in the middle of a a smoked fatty, which is a smoked meatloaf. Mm Mm-hmm and wrapped it up with uh, Italian sausage and put marinara on it, and it makes a, you know, for the cost of a foot long Italian sub uh, deconstructed and uh, a pound or two of a good Italian sausage that we wrapped it up in and smoked it, it made uh, an incredible fatty, incredible smoked meatloaf that, Again, it's kind of a trick in itself just to, you get the ingredients, just go to Subway and ask for a deconstructed Italian sub. It, you know the the minutia, the detail didn't matter as much as just the the, yeah. the the basic nuts and bolts of the the Italian meal. So that's that's just another example of like uh tricks that you know I done that. I don't even think that video that we did on YouTube got much traction. It probably maybe got 300 probably 500 views. Um, and there's some videos that have gotten a million views, but, um, but I thought it was really one of the best ones. So I, I wanted to make sure I put it in the book and at least kind of had it organized somehow.
0: Yeah. And, and, and in another one, the, um, the one, another one I like, the vampire trick. If you found you've used too much garlic in a liquid recipe, they always say you, you can always put more, but you can't take out. Um, if you found you've used too much garlic in a, in a liquid recipe, there's a trick to soften the blow parsley absorbs garlic flavors put parsley in a tea t-ball and give it a swirl for a few minutes remove and then discard the uh fouled parsley and yeah uh, you can take you can uh, reverse a mistake and uh this book is is just it's, it's it's just jam-packed with uh little tidbits like that little suggestions uh one of the things you've done in this book is the uh you you can tell that you're a uh um a a journalist uh along the way uh by the um the different interviews that you have uh done uh throughout the book calling them the uh let's see what is it the, chop, the talking chop you've got um Greg Mervich of ballistic barbecue you've got an interview with him uh James Piesker of Porter Road uh you've got um Louis uh, Louis Mata from Meat and Bone, Greg Rempe from the Barbecue Central Show, Jack Waybore, uh from Great TV, and uh, all of these interviews that you've done, uh, you're it's it's all of a sudden you're becoming not the writer of the book, but you're you're getting them to reveal their secrets and reveal their methods.
1: Yeah, yeah this though actually the book probably I've been talking about doing this this book for a while but when covid hit back in the in, in february i had a zillion notes on my phone for how the the uh, do the book of barbecue tricks but when covid hit um not only did i have more i had some extra time because uh, at my my main job we ended up having some furloughs so we had i had a forced uh, several weeks to really focus in and drill down and Put it, put it together. So I thought, I'm gonna use this time. It's rare that you can plan time, which is the nature of the, the furloughs, just happened to work out. So I mapped it out and did these uh, Zoom, Skype interviews just like we're mm-hmm. doing and uh, talked to these guys and they were all really generous with their time and with their insight and I tried to get some good stuff and then looking back and editing it down to, to squeezing it down to just the little bits, um, I found some good stuff and it's been fun to even go and look back and in the editing process, go and find more and more things to, uh, pull out of it. And I probably wish I could even go back now and connect the dots a little bit more because looking back, I've seen like each one of those guys, I think, I think almost each one of them were big green egg fans. They like big green eggs and smoky mountain Weber, smoky mountain cookers, mm-hmm. um, you know they they used everything but they really loved they had a had a real uh affection for those cookers they uh there's other similarities you know greg Rempies is is always a straight shooter and you know somewhere in the middle of the recipe he said look i don't know uh well he, he started busting on the three two one method of of cooking ribs which is something I, I have in there, it's not my invention. Someone else has come up with a great way to do ribs. It's a, a trick in and, of, in and of itself. You take, it's three hours of um, on 25, uh, two hours wrapped up in foil for your slab of ribs, and then one hour out of the foil, and you just let the, you sauce them up, and let them cook, yep. and the skin tighten up. Three, two, one ribs. To me, is just so easy, easy for people to remember. And yeah, you end up with fall off the bone ribs, but Greg was, you know, honest enough to shoot holes in that in that method which I'm totally cool with. I know the these hardcore competition guys will say, you know, that's overcooked and they're real particular on on what kind of bite through they want. They yeah. want to take that rib bone, bite it and almost make a little half moon circle on the bone and uh, it's got to come off with a little tug and they get real particular on it. So I think there's room for everybody and I, I think the 321 method is great for people that want to keep it super simple and um I asked uh, Greg Rempi how would he tweak it and he he actually gave me a really good suggestion of lowering the times and uh you know I, I, he he gave me some other good insight on things that he likes and uh, uh I, it's really good I really enjoyed doing the talking chop sections with Greg and uh, the guys from Porter Road—they're smart guys. Yeah, and it, uh, interesting.
0: There's, there's a lot of, in the, in the barbecue world. The more I talk with people, the more people I get to interview. I realize how little I know about this, because there are, there are people out there, and, and you're one of them, Bill, that have been around for, been around a lot longer than I have, and have we re- got to research it more, and uh, especially living in a city like Charleston, man, that's. That is uh that you're you're in the you're in a barbecue uh in you know, a food
1: mecca it's become it's become really? a mecca um I don't know that it was right when I moved there in two thousand seven the thing that I found when I moved to i mean my favorite barbecue joint in you know there's there's the competition world then there's restaurants and there's doing it in your backyard and just being yep. a uh, a backyarder but uh as far as uh, Charleston, I mean, I'm from, uh, I came from Augusta, uh, used to live in Savannah, and I think now Charleston is absolutely the best place for barbecue. Uh, Savannah doesn't have a whole heck of a lot. Uh, Augusta has one of my favorite places of all time, Scania's Barbecue, and Augusta is also the home of uh, Rec Tech Grills, which I think is pretty cool. Now I didn't mm-hmm. know that at the time. Yep. But since I moved in 2007, they've opened up. Uh, uh, Lewis barbecue, which is some of the best brisket you're ever going to get, uh, right downtown. And Rodney Scott, uh, is also got, I think one of the best, uh, whole hog places in town. So those, those two alone are worth, uh, making a, a trip to, to Charleston to see those pits, but there's also some other great places. Well, let's, let's talk Swing about Swing let's... And Charleston is one of my favorites. And, um, there's a place called Sweatman's. um, that I, I think I, I should have said Sconier's in Augusta, Sweatman's is in Holly Hill, South Carolina, which is just outside of uh, Charleston. So, yeah, we got a ton. Um,
0: let's talk about um, Rodney Scott. Back in 2016, you made, a, you made the uh, <laughs> pilgrimage to Hemingway, South Carolina, and uh, did a great video, and it's on your YouTube channel, of uh, Rodney Scott before Rodney Scott was Rodney Scott. And he was just another, um, you know, another barbecue guy in a wide spot in the road before uh, he was made famous by the New York Times. Um, What um, base base kind of compare and contrast now uh, Rodney's restaurant in uh, uh, Charleston and compare it towards to the the store where he worked. I know it's I know it's night and day, but um, compare and contrast the food and uh, the quality of the food and the taste of the food?
1: That's a great question. And I did, when I went, I guess it was 2016, I didn't even remember the exact year, but... Uh, it was, i was a Bill West and,
0: fan. I said it was, and, I'm a Bill West fan.
1: Appreciate that. That, that actually, that, one of the, that video has done really well, so I'm sure a lot of people have stumbled upon my site because of that, thanks to Roger. Um, when I was shooting it, I mean, that really came about when he i lived on that side of town of charleston but still it was a that's a good trek from even uh, the north side of uh, uh, mount pleasant and north side of charleston but when i went there i I just knew that's uh, visually that old place is just so cool Mm -hmm. and he had had some definitely when you go in there when i went in there he had had plenty of recognition already from I don't know if he had gotten the New York Times, but I think so. I mean, Anthony Bourdain and all those guys had already gone through. So I think he was right on the cusp of things exploding when I just happened to go there. But, I mean, to his credit, I went there and, you know, he took an out. I mean, he was working. And when you look at the video, he was working that whole time. But, uh, you know, it was clear uh, he has a love for what he does. And I, I think I really am proud of that video piece. And, and just because it's more of, I think that's one of the things I in, enjoy doing is more of almost like a documentary type thing. Mm-hmm. Then I watched just the other night, I watched the Netflix special where they bounce a couple of shots back and forth. They don't really talk as much about, they, they cover the old store, but also talk about the new store in, um, in Charleston. So get to your question. They differ. I mean, Rodney is, Every time I've been there, I think I've seen him working and I I haven't been in in about a year, but I've seen him either working with staff or been in there. Now he's opening up another store in Birmingham and Atlanta, I think. So I can't imagine he's always in the Charleston store anymore. But the quality of the pulled pork and the, the whole hog is is the same because you can go. Right from your table, even if it's on King Street, you know, on one end of King Street, you can walk out the door and you can go to the back screen. And it's a screened in open kitchen mm-hmm. and you can look through and you can see them cooking the whole hogs. And again, that's one of those. It is worth a pilgrimage to go uh, to go see him, see them do their thing and see those pits uh, and smell it, and you know, and taste it but that i would say the pulled pork is has got the exact same taste there is you know there's a little bit of a old country store feel to the previous restaurant or the the old restaurant i don't even know i presume the hemingway store is still going i don't know that for a fact if it is or, is or not but um, there's a a charm and old country store appeal to it that is a little bit different because I think the the new store they can move a lot of people through, but um, the quality of food is, you know, the same excellent.
0: Um, being being from Illinois, living up there for a long time, tell me tell me what drew you to South Carolina and the Low Country. I spent I spent many years going to Hilton Head, and um, still one of my favorite places to go on vacation. And it is a it's a unique area, and um, a couple times when I was coming home, I I, um, I took the back roads up to um, um, going going up to Augusta. I went through drove through the low country uh, where that railroad track is on your left, and all the towns are on your right. Oh yeah, and and it doesn't it doesn't change for miles and miles and miles. And um,
1: what what's made your, that trip a lot of times? Yeah, what what is because... your
0: what's your what's your um, fascination with that part of the country and uh, what makes you stay there? Because a guy like you, I'm sure has had opportunities to move around, maybe bigger markets, uh, maybe a little different type of job. But um, it seems like, you know, Augusta to Savannah to Charleston, to Hilton Head, you're kind of ingrained in that area.
1: Yeah. Coming, jumping from, Chicago suburbs to Hilton Head was the biggest jump, but we just like, you know, maybe like you and like my wife, We she vacationed Hilton Head for, you know, when she was young and uh, I did as well. So when I got into the workforce, the first opportunity I ended up getting was in a little radio station, WHHR in Hilton Head. So took that opportunity and uh unfortunately uh, although i i think at the time i was thinking you could this would be the place to stay and end up you know staying the whole time it's beautiful it's a little bit of if you're trying to build a career it's the land of make-believe yeah um there's not you know you can't really now it's kind of a hilton head savannah market but it's still hard to make a living uh doing that just in hilton head um so I, I mean we've got family here nonetheless, so that's the reason we're we're stay we've stayed here. But I met my wife here, and between here and Savannah, and uh, when I was living here, and you know she always would love to be here in Hilton Head. So um, someday we'll be back in Hilton yeah. Head eventually. But went from Hilton Head, to, uh, I think Savannah. Did some time in Columbia and Augusta. Really, I've been lucky enough to bounce around, but bounce around into in South Carolina or Georgia. Um, I think when I was in Savannah doing radio for six or seven years, uh, I thought, you know, this is a great place to live. I'd love to just stay here. It's a great city. Mm -hmm. And it is. I went there just a couple nights ago. There's some incredible things going down. We had some barbecue at this new JW Marriott complex, downtown Savannah, which is uh, you know weird right now trying to open that stuff up in COVID, but it's a world class complex on the the Savannah River, and I would recommend anybody trying to you know make a trip there and see it. It's just unbelievable, great. But uh, between Savannah and you know, I did a bunch of years there and just uh, moving jobs with radio. Radio is kind of a transient business, yeah. And I tried to always move up to bigger markets. Uh, as is the game Uh, but I always thought when I got to Savannah I thought I'd love to just stay here got great opportunities to do stuff with country radio being involved with the country radio business Uh, went to Augusta Uh, you know it's like a little bit bigger and then got the opportunity to go with uh, Clear Channel at the time from Augusta to Charleston and so, I've tried to stay in charleston and 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 enjoy that it's a It's a great city. Good radio uh, city.
0: People are um literally moving to Charleston, South Carolina, in droves it's all it almost it, it almost mirrors Nashville, where eighty to a hundred people a day move to Nashville and it has just become a a booming metropolis here in Tennessee. Uh, people move to Charleston. They say, once you, they say, be careful visiting there because you'll you'll want to live there. I've got have got a friend of mine that moved from uh, here in Ultawa. Uh, he moved to Charleston uh, about six years ago, and you couldn't get him out of there with a crowbar. Uh, he loves it. What um what is the um, the metropolitan area like in Charleston as far as um, uh, media? Uh, since you're a media guy, and um, does that does that um, give you good story ideas uh, for your barbecue uh, passion? Um,
1: trying to figure out exactly what you mean by media. You know, we're a radio-sized market, and maybe even TV. It's considered market like somewhere between sixty and eighty, with oh, you know, New York being
0: number one. Yeah,
1: right. So you know we're. You know in Charleston, in Savannah, in South Carolina, we're one of the bigger cities, but Columbia's booming too. I think oh. all of uh, South or a lot of South Carolina, and then further south, from what I've heard, is, is booming with uh, people that have gotten fed up with uh, life uh, either in the big city or life up north, whether it's cold weather. I, I can tell you there's I grew up in, in the suburbs of Chicago and, and as a kid I enjoyed shoveling snow for people and, and, and doing that but um, I don't miss it. Yeah. It's nice to be down here where you know, today I think it was about 72 degrees out here um, and it was a real beautiful day but not all about the weather but uh, South Carolina's it's a slower way of life. I made so since I made the transition as at least as a 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old adult. Uh, I think back at back in the day uh, I, I did see it as a slower way of life. Um, I'm sure probably a lot of people would think that still. Um, we still have our traffic issues depending on exactly where you live. Um, sure you do. But, uh, you know, it's nice to be South Carolina. It's great to be by the beach. Great to be we've got a, a downtown. I don't I don't venture downtown too much. Quite honestly, I love it down there. It's awesome, but uh, I I don't necessarily get down there that often. But uh, it's there if if I want to go. I live up in the uh, I guess the they call it the Plantation District. Uh, you know, up uh, up near Magnolia Gardens is one of the big um, you know famous gardens. Mm-hmm. That's, I ended up moving to that side of of Charleston. And we like it up there again, still some traffic issues, but, uh, um, great place to be. And then you're not far from the beaches anywhere.
0: You know, in, in, um, I I don't know if you've seen or not Robert Moss, uh, in the, his, his barbecue book, the history of an American institution, he spends a lot of, um, a lot of pages in South Carolina talking about the history of barbecue, um, you know, the different, um, different types, the different tastes, the different sauces uh, that, that permeate through South Carolina and up in North Carolina. Um, do, you, do you get into that sort of thing, you know, looking at the different types of uh, barbecue from region to region and um, try to study yeah, some of I, that? I mean, I think I talk a little bit about it in the book yeah. or in,
1: in all of my books, I touch on it. I think it can be over overly romanticized in some way, like, you know, like every every barbecue joint in South Carolina is, you know, it's not going to be whole hog or West, you know, West North Carolina is, is whole hog and mustard. And it's just not like that. You still got, you go to a place and they're going to have different sauces. Mm-hmm. I love a mustard sauce, yep. but, uh, um, I don't think it's, it's, it's probably very, un, it's probably uncommon elsewhere. So I guess I take that for granted and I see it through a different lens, but, um, uh, and I, that's probably you know that and a white sauce is the most unusual, and I guess a vinegar based sauce is, is unusual too, just the way North Carolina does it. But
0: you know, um, you said something right there, white sauce. That is, you know, that's everybody always talks about. You know, it's an Alabama thing, uh, Decatur, mm-hmm. Decatur, Alabama. Um, I that that to me. <laughs> And some people are going to go. You're stupid. That is the most overrated <laughs> condiment that you could put on a piece of chicken. And and, and I know there's a, I know that famous restaurant in Decatur that's made a a good living with his Alabama white sauce. But I have yet to have somebody come into my store and say, "Do you have any white sauce?"
1: <laughs> I should I should remember this, but I don't remember if I I'm sure I put a white the white sauce in here.
0: Um... I like it. Um, I like it. I it. like the taste. It It is so easy to make. You got mayonnaise and horseradish and vinegar. You got white sauce. Overrated. Yeah, but it's just, it's only, it's, a, it's such a small portion of the, of the makeup of barbecue. And people talk about it like it's, it's the, it's the, the biggest thing ever. And it is, it is so, so small. And it just yeah. it just kills me. It's, it's well, it's like, big for Alabama. Yeah, it's it's big there.
1: And big, I guess it'd be Big Bob Gibson or I, whatever. I, I, I didn't want to say. I
0: didn't want to say cause I don't. Wanna, I mean, that's barbecue royalty there, man. That's not. That's like talking about queen yeah, you got, don't talk about. I it. think
1: <laughs> that's been one of the things. You know, the maybe at some point we need to come up with a, a you know barbecue tour book or whatever. I'm sure there are plenty of them, um, but you know, the, I do find that part of it neat, but maybe overrated. Um, you know, different places have their different different styles of barbecue. My favorite, I, I'd said Sconyers is my favorite. I guess maybe one of my second favorite it would be Rendezvous in, in Memphis. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, it's ribs. I guess it's barbecued ribs. It's charcoal, but it's not outdoor cooking. They're in a basement. In the basement but I'd yeah. say, you know, but it's definitely... Memphis dry rub, you know that region. So, I love, I do like the 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 mystique of different locations and almost a travelogue of of.
0: I was just going to ask barbecue. you: is for you, is barbecue? Is it is it the food or is it the place? Because when you go to Rendezvous, you you think, man, man, I might be sitting in the same booth that uh, Elvis, Jerry Lee, and Johnny did after a session over at Sun uh, Sun Records. And uh is it the is it the place or is it the food for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's kind of that combination of of both. It's the good food. I, I do like a good story behind it, a good mm-hmm. heritage, but it of course it's gotta taste great too, right? Um And I think, you know, rendezvous kind of checks out all those boxes. Uh the one che you, you know, check box you might not get from Rendezvous, one of my rules of all places is uh, you got to be able to smell the smoke, and I, I think you do smell it. Rendezvous is all about—they've got these charcoal fire pits uh, in in Memphis, but you know, you go to a place you got—you can smell it. You got the the sights of some of these really cool places, and Rendezvous has all sorts of history behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, and if you're, you know, if you're on vacation having barbecue, even better, right? right. So you're. You get to some time off and less stress, and you get to enjoy your barbecue.
0: I've got a friend that when he goes to a different barbecue place when he travels, he goes first place he goes. He goes out back, and he says, "There's not a stack of wood, I ain't going in." He goes because I know I know they're cooking with wood chips and propane, and he goes, "And I don't want yeah. any of it." And uh, first he looks for the pile of wood. So, even if there's a pile of wood back there, he's all about it. And, and I thought, yeah, that's that's a. I'm, I'm not quite that picky. But um yeah, that, but that's I mean that, that is sort of a uh, a telltale sign, you know. Yeah,
1: you I think the smell for me is more you know you really want to smell it when you when you're going there actively cooking with with wood. I think that does make a difference. But the other thing that the reason I probably picked barbecue to talk about or to write about or to do videos about is because even bad barbecue for me is still pretty good. Yeah. So you know even if I even if it's that's maybe one reason why I don't am not as tied into the to the competition scene. Some of the guys there get a little too intense. I just, you know, I like I like barbecue even even when it's bad. I like I like barbecue. I like ribs. Um but I really like when it's hickory smoked and uh I think he can do good barbecue and we talked about I don't know if we did it off the air, but electric smokers, mm-hmm. you, you know, a cheap smoker, you can do great things. You can Add some smoke to uh, a gas grill easily enough, and I got some stuff on how to do it in the book. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's fun. Makes it more uh, maybe a, a richer experience when it, when when you have to sp- stay up all night. But sometimes it's fun to flip the switch on a pellet cooker and do it do it easily.
0: Well, the first part of the book is 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 probably. Uh, for somebody who's who's just getting into it, or uh, who has a, an interest in what else is out there, uh, you go over all the different cookers, and then you go to the wood flavors. Um, people ask me all the time in the store what what type of uh, we sell pellet grills, and uh, you know what kind of pellets go good with you know what kind of meat, and uh, I'm always trying to pair it, uh, you know, pair it for them, and um, you do that uh, in this in the wood flavor section. Uh, just a tremendous, ability, a tremendous amount of information, in, in in this book you've written, the big the big book of barbecue tricks. Um, I, I, you even go through like what you need, a quick uh, read digital meat thermometer. I tell everybody in a, in a in a competition trailer, the two most important items in that trailer are the thermometer and the cambro, something to hold the meat in and keep it hot. Those are the two most important tools you've got. They will make or break you at a barbecue competition, whether you can keep make sure you can keep that food hot and you cook it to the right temperature. And I, I think I don't think that the uh, uh, I, I think one of the things that backyard people are always worried about is uh, temperature and time. They're always asking temperature and time, temperature and time. Well, temperature is important. Time you have no you have no power over. Would you agree with that? That's a good way to put
1: it, yeah. And, you know, and they're both flexible. The, the nice thing about barbecue is it's forgiving in, in the way that you can, you know, to, to a certain extent. I've had a whole hog catch on fire and put it out and still, you know, yeah. not, I, would, I don't even know if it was a competition, but still have a great meal at the end. The first, mm-hmm. you know, uh, have a grease fire with your first whole hog still didn't deter me. You know, I still was able to rescue it and have a great meal.
0: Yeah, barbecue is barbecue is finished when it's done. That's what I always tell people there is no time. You know, they always say how much, how long per pound should you cook it, and and you know everybody that does a recipe has to put that in there. But it's all it's not it's not etched in stone. You can't you can't um, you can't go by that all the time because every piece of meat is different. And yeah, uh, and you, you know I think and the more I think people become more successful doing barbecue when they realize that it's not a race to the finish it's it's more like a uh uh, it's more like a NASCAR race it's a long drawn out boring thing between the start and the end and uh, but at the end it the last you know the last 20 laps the last 10 minutes of a a piece of meat are very exciting when you're getting ready to pull it off so that's a good way to put it that's just that's just the opinion from Oldowa, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, digital remote thermometers you talk about? Um, yeah, but- I don't. And
1: I don't even. I don't tend to use much. I was going to ask you since you uh, you've got the shop there. What uh, what are people into with the the digital thermometers and the instant read thermometers? I've got a Thermapen that I've had and it just keeps on working for me and and it works great. But I do see a lot more inexpensive models that seem really good. On Amazon for, you know, seventeen bucks or you know or or lower. You know, are they? You you know, you're you're in the shop. Are those as good or uh, does it? Are are some of them junk? Uh,
0: they're good. I I I sell one that's only nineteen ninety five. Um, it works. It works great. I sell another one that's kind of between the nineteen ninety five and the thermopin price of eighty nine dollars. It's a fifty nine ninety five it's it's a uh, it's a super super uh instant read thermometer you know instant read thermometers are like are like cameras are like um telephones the cost is is coming down since everybody is uh everybody's using them now um the big thing of course you know in in temperature now is uh uh Wi-Fi enabled um you know people want to be able to read it off their telephone um, yeah everything they have to you know it's um uh <laughs> You know, everybody's moving. That I see, uh, all the um, younger people that got eggs. The big green egg was the big thing, and uh, all of a sudden, all they they saw their friends started getting pellet grills. And what I'm seeing in my neighborhood, you've got a guy with a green egg on his back porch, and it's there for the status, and it's never used. But he goes, "Yeah, I got a green egg, because if you if you're a backyard cook, you got to have a green egg." And right next to it's a Green Mountain Grill, the one that he uses every day or every week. Mm-hmm. Because he goes yeah, out. There I agree his, with that. He goes out there in his church clothes, hits the button, goes to church, and then when he gets home, you know, his uh, pork butt's uh, a third of the way done. And uh he doesn't have to you know, he can sit there he can sit there during the uh, homily, pull out his cell phone, look at it and go, Things are going good <laughs> <laughs> Things are going good back at the house. And uh what what does uh, what does Bill West cook on when he's uh Pandering I would say uh,
1: my go-to is my Traeger, and uh, I'm trying to remember what the the, the model is. Uh, just the, the traditional Traeger. There's probably pictures of it in the book. Uh, horizontal setup. Yeah, they're their their main model. It's not the Timberland, but uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Traeger pellet. But it uh, uh, didn't start that way. Like I said, I did my one of my books was on uh, um, on electric smokers, Mm -hmm. and you know I find great pleasure in that. Uh, I think my electric smoker right now the the element it keeps tripping the breaker, so I just have not been using it. But uh, my Traeger just keeps on keeps on going and makes it real easy. I think there's a lot to to say about pellet cookers, making everything a lot easier. Um, as far as it, it, they're so versatile, you can do something very low and uh, slow, or if you want to crank it up to 400, 450, most models can do that. Um, it's probably not my first go-to you know, if I just want to sear a quick burger. Then um, I just got a quick little. I'll do. I'll do a gas grill that doesn't bother oh, absolutely. you at know.
0: all. Um,
1: uh But uh, but I think for the most part I'm I'm using my my Traeger. Yeah, I've know. got I've got a small small little Weber that I use a lot, but uh, that's usually you know I I don't enjoy propane. as propane just so propane and gas is just convenient. Mm-hmm. So um, if I can, I'll try and put a little. Uh, smoker pouch or something on there and, and give it a little bit of smoke.
0: Well, I think, I think you're like, you're like everybody else. You started with electric, uh, inexpensive electric smoker, uh, moved up to the, uh, uh, I'm sure you experimented with other things. You probably, if you hadn't owned a Kamado style cooker, you probably cooked on one or saw, had a friend Mm -hmm. that that cooked on one. Uh, I had one at one time and um, I kept it for a year, kept trying to, Kept trying to figure out what the what the aura and romanticism was about. It could not figure it out. Um, hard to use. Couldn't cook a lot of food. Um, couldn't add wood. If you, added, if you had to, if your wood burned out, you had to add. If you wanted to add wood chunks, you had to take the whole thing apart and, and throw the wood chunk on the charcoal. Um, finally, sold it to a guy. Um, I just it just wasn't for me. And then I think
1: they're. Yeah, I think they're i definitely see the appeal because they're you know like you said they've got the status and yeah. they're uh uh i think they can do great things especially with high heat now honestly the the, the trick i see that's popular i talk about a little bit in the book is the the sous vide and sous vide the steak sous vide an expensive steak and then sear it on your big green yeah that's, yeah
0: that's that's like the ultimate yeah. in status right yeah there. that was uh I read that about Jack when you interviewed Jack in your book. He was talking about that. What What are you into now? He goes, "Man, I'm into sous vide." He goes, "I'm putting those steaks. I'm putting those steaks in bags, putting them in water, and then I'm taking them out and uh, just searing them off. And uh, it is, it, by, by golly, it is a good steak, Bill. You know I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't, haven't. I haven't ventured into sous vide. I just ventured into pellet smokers back in January. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah, and became, um, and I, I became a real fan. I was uh, when we opened the store. I was selling pit barrel cookers, which are fantastic. Um, I love it. I've got a pit barrel in competition. I cook my ribs on a pit barrel because they are. It it is the best rib cooking vessel I've ever seen. Um, But I could not make people understand how to use them and how easy it was to use one. I don't know if you've ever used one or not, but I'm sure. I haven't,
1: and it's for that reason. uh, For that reason, Steve, I see them and. Uh, I don't know how it fits on my, if I had a wood patio or whatever on my wood patio or the small patio space I have. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea and the look, and I think they, they look cool, but um, charcoal more and more gets to be uh, yeah,
0: exactly. a messier
1: proposition for me.
0: Exactly. And then, um, so we were having a hard time selling them. And so I, I thought, well, there's got to be something. Out there, and so I talked to some friends about these pellet smokers, and uh, and I, I got to admit, Bill, I was kind of one of those snobs. I looked down on them a little bit. That ain't that ain't, that ain't cooking. That's just, you know, you don't have any fire management skills or nothing. And then as soon as I started using them, I said, the heck with fire management skills. These things are making good food, and it tastes good. And uh, one of my uh, one of my friends in this business is David Bosca Butcher Barbecue, and he's cooked on pellet smokers his entire competition career. And uh, you know he he won a little contest uh, in 2018 in Lynchburg, Tennessee called the Jack Daniels World Invitational. So uh, mm-hmm. somebody somebody's doing something right, and um, and it's it's just a uh, it, it is a they're fantastic. And I don't care whose brand you buy. I don't care you know I, I smell I sell Green Mountain Green Mountains. You have a Traeger. There's Camp Chef's. There's Rectex. There's every, you know Yoder's. Everything out there. And um, but they uh, they all basically work the same. And they, they work, they work perfectly and it brings more people to a low and slow cooking. You know, it makes I wish it I had a
1: a copy of the other book I did. Have you seen the cop, the uh, Wood Pellet Grill book I did? I have not. Okay. That, 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 that's totally good. I didn't, I didn't know if you had seen those, but uh, talking about the trage- trajectory of me doing these books yeah, we've talked about a couple of these things The my first one was kind of on called The Barbecue Blueprint was kind of on um, uh, whether to do competition barbecue or not. And uh, I got a little wrapped up in the world with Jack, who's mm-hmm. Jack, uh, Jack Waybore, who's such an expert in it. But, uh, you know, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of uh, it, it can be expensive to yeah. compete. And it mainly takes trying to fit it into a weekend is is tough. So that was a little bit about the first book. Um then I got a call from the publisher asking about uh, uh, electric smoker. And I thought, you know, doggone it. My first my first smoker was an inexpensive, you know, I think I bought it at a garage sale for 20 bucks, a Brinkman uh, Bullets. And it taught me everything I really needed to know and, and did great barbecue. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll write, I can write that book. I, I mm-hmm. have an appreciation for electric smokers. And then they called me again saying, uh, we're looking uh, to do a pellet book, and within that time, since I'd written the first one, or actually before, for a couple of years, I've been using that Traeger, which I had done videos on, and had become a fan of uh, of pellets. So the timing is right for each one of these books that mm-hmm. uh, I've had been lucky enough to have the opportunity to do, and uh, uh, it, it's uh, kind of like what you're saying: these these smokers are. I mean, I think there's a reason why pellet cookers are uh, catching, there's no wrong way to do it. And uh, pellet cookers do such a good job of putting out great food and keeping it easy, yet still having enough of the, I, I remember the first time I saw one of the pellet cookers, that jet engine in there, it still has enough of the uh, gee whiz gadget stuff that, you know, oh, yeah that gets guys revved up a little bit. Have you seen this video? Uh, that was floating around about uh, what a Traeger, yeah, you know, typical Traeger guy sounds like. I'll have to send you a link to it. I saw it somewhere of like uh, it's a, uh, I think it was going viral on what uh, you know, how it, how, how you know you gotta, you're talking to a Traeger, Traeger owner.
0: No, I haven't seen it, but I, I could only imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it was I could only it's funny. It's comedy.
0: Well, they're uh, they're they're very they're very efficient cookers and anything that makes people get outside, and uh, cook and because I'm on bill, you know as well as I do. Anytime when you go outside and cook, uh, usually, I know when I when I wheel out the smokers on the side the side of the house, in my driveway, I, I draw a crowd. You know everybody who's walking in the neighborhood they come down. What are you doing now? You know what what are you doing now? What's this? Um, you know, I'll bring out my uh, big competition gravity feed. And they'll, they'll say, how does that work? What is You know, what is that? And um, th- they're interested in it. And then they'll tell you what they've got. Well, I've got a green egg. And, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Um, and, and I'm all about the green egg. It just wasn't for me. Um, and, um, you know, when I will out the pellet smoker now, they'll come by and go, how does that work? I say, oh, I man, this thing's, a, you know, this thing's like falling off a log. It's easy. Uh, you know, set it and forget it. And it hooks to your telephone. Anything that, anything that hooks to a telephone now, is, is big. If you could, if you, whatever grill you've got, if you can make it hooked to a telephone, you'll sell it because that's what, yeah, that's what that's, people want.
1: Yeah. That's never been my cup of tea, but I can definitely see the appeal and definitely a good reason for doing anytime you can avoid opening up the lid, which is one of the biggest things people need to remember. That's a, that's a, a good thing.
0: Yeah. But you know, with the pellet cookers now, you that, if you're looking, you're not cooking. You can throw that out the window because those things catch up so quick. I they mean, they just—you know—that you, you 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 hear that secondary fan click click on it, it starts burning those pellets, and uh, it, it just—you know—it pops the temperature right back up there. But um, yeah, they're great. I mean, every, everything, anything that you cook on that you're comfortable with, I think is great for for anybody. Absolutely. I never 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 throw down on anybody's uh, uh, vessel that they're cooking on because. uh uh, like we said, you never know anybody's economic status, space status. Um, I didn't realize until I started selling smokers what a a premium people put on their deck space. Uh, you know, I've always joking about uh, counter space. Uh, you know, when I see people like, uh, well, I would get a uh, bullet, but I don't have the counter space for it right now. I'm not going to dedicate, you know, the things that they have on their counter are, are it, there's a pecking order. And, you know, no, I'm not leaving, no, the uh, this, the quick sealer's got to stay. So, you know, they don't have any counter space. But I had no idea how, how precious backyard deck space was until I started uh, selling smokers. And people would come in and whip out a, uh, a tape measure mm-hmm. and go, this won't fit. You know, do you have another size? Well, yeah, oh, this one's too little. Uh, you know, I need one this size. And uh, I've had people... Walk out of the store because I didn't have the right size cooker, and um, you know. Yeah,
1: you know, it's about as much. I do think uh, I, my my first Traeger was a. I did a did a, a video with them, and I you know got it just for you know cross promotion. But I often think I didn't need the you know the the big one mm-hmm. for you know for <laughs> they can. Conf- Eight butts on, and I can get. The, I could have gotten easily the smaller one, and I tell people that a lot when I recommend the pellets. You know, the bigger ones are more expensive. You don't really. Yep. I mean, unless you're got a family of nine, you don't really need all that. I don't think you need as much grill space as people think.
0: No, you don't. But I always tell people, nobody ever said I wish I had a smaller grill. So that's know, true. If you can afford the big grill, get the big grill. Bill West, it has been a. It has been a tremendous, tremendous honor talking to you. Um, your new book. And my play. The Big Book of Barbecue Tricks, folks. It is on Amazon. Go to it and buy this book. It is excellent. The interviews are excellent. The information is, is second to none. It is by a guy just like you and me that has uh, journeyed through barbecue and uh, picked up tips, picked up tricks uh but but the different but the difference about Bill West folks is he has talked with people that have used these tips and tricks along the way, and uh he knows that they work and uh they'll work for you and uh if you just use them, you'll become a better cook and a better barbecue person and um just, and hopefully I just, it's I just, just opened serious. the books as a big beautiful brisket brisket is my Zen I am the brisket whisperer, and um I love all things brisket bill. Hopefully it's
1: just fun to read too. Cause I put, try, I try and make it humorous anyway. Yeah.
0: It, but, and it, and it, and it does show that. And uh, good for you, Bill. I, 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 I we could, I could go on with you for, for two more hours tonight. Um, hey
1: Steve, I will say, I, I know starting probably Sunday, Sunday I marked down my first book, Well, I couldn't do it with this one. I had done it already, but mm-hmm. I marked down the, uh barbecue blueprint on Kindle. If people like the ebook versions go there this like Saturday or Sunday and you should be able to get it for 99 cents. So just a little sweet extra thing sweet. while you're out shopping. And I'm
0: sure we will see you on the uh, barbecue show talk circuit um, coming up as people uh, buy your book and see your book is available. They'll be contacting you. So everybody watch social media for Bill West. He will be on a station or a show Close to your heart, very very soon, Bill. Thank you so much. Enjoy thank Hilton Head, and when you go down to Hudson's, tell that guy that's down there singing on the deck that uh, Steve Ray said, "Hey, he'll uh, yeah, the old Hudson's the one, the, the one Hudson Scott, yeah, and uh, he'll uh, he'll remember me, I'm sure." <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you, <whistles> ladies and gentlemen. Bill West from. Coming to you from Hilton Head Island, but he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Now he's on a little holiday down in Hilton Head. Everybody, thank you for watching tonight on the uh, Al's Nest Barbecue Show here on Facebook Live. We'll be back next Friday night. We will be live on Facebook, and we will also be live on Talk Radio 102.3. Until then, have a great rest of the weekend on this Thanksgiving weekend. Be safe. Drive safely if you're at Grandma's house and you have to go home. Please drive safely and we'll see you here next Friday night on the Yowls Nest barbecue show on Facebook and on Talk Radio 102.3